0: very warm welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi, Siddharth. Thank you for joining us at Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ashish. Really, it's a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you so
0: awesome. Much. So let's get started. So Siddharth, um, um, let's first try to understand. So what what is your role at uh, MIQ?
1: right so uh, i joined miq in late 2019 uh, right and uh, that time uh, the ob- whole objective was for me to uh, establish a commercial business in india and sark uh, countries uh, and miq has been in india for a long time so uh, you know since uh, its inception miq had started it around 2010 and then you know very quickly in around 211 itself uh, uh 2011 itself uh, miq had established a center of excellence in Bangalore uh, so miQ has been now in India for uh, more than uh, I would say uh, 11 or to 12 years and uh, we have our global center of excellence which has become quite big now and uh, we have excellent work going on in terms of engineering tech data science uh, we have created a huge data lake here and this center of excellence powers, uh, all the solutions which we deploy uh, worldwide, and MIQ is present, uh, you know, very big in North America, big in Europe, and expanded also now across Singapore, Australia, Southeast Asia, and China as well, uh, and of course, India. And so, all these regions are supported from India, uh, and, and MIQ is also obviously looking at, uh, you know, when. Uh, we can also have a commercial operations in India because India has played a very very important and strategic role in MIQ's growth. Uh, and the whole idea was also to you know unleash the power of uh, center of excellence from Bangalore for the India market, uh, and uh, you know really have the cutting edge solutions in programmatic and data science to be taken to the market. And here we have much uh, you know much healthier chance or much greater chance to. Showcase these solutions and implement these solutions because the geography is the same. We can get our tech and data science people to get to meet the clients more often and so on. Um, so yeah, so uh, very very strategic uh, move, uh, uh, you know, for opening the India commercial business for MIQ, and that's where uh, I landed. That mandate. Uh, and then um, you know I think we have done a fantastic job of establishing a micro India commercial we have scaled it up as well um, the vision of having the center of excellence to also provide solutions to the india market that has also been realized and being uh, getting realized because obviously there is no end to it we can do more and more good work uh, in india uh, and now my role is also to look after the china market as well uh, because we have very interesting china business and uh, <clears throat> because of my background in the Asian market as well as uh, kind of uh, focus on the Asia, Um, I am now looking after the China business as well and helping scale both India and China businesses for MIQ.
0: So it's a very critical role, I assume, Siddharth. So how difficult or easy was it to set up? Let's let's first talk about the India and the India piece first and then let's... uh, jump to the china but how easy or difficult was it really
1: yeah no so uh, i think that's a that's a very good question uh, ashish and uh, uh, really meaning you know if you look at my background i have worked for big companies in my initial time so i have worked for ibm for five years microsoft for three and a half years then i was at google uh, leading their ad tech uh, business uh, in india market for the travel vertical which is one of the largest verticals for google in india uh, and so i was i was used to working in bigger companies bigger tech companies all throughout uh, but luckily uh, you know after google i took up a role as uh, managing director of critio for the india region and that was a that was kind of my transition from working in a bigger big company uh, or a giant company to a uh, a good uh, you know strong mid-sized company mm-hmm where, you know, I was responsible for everything, you know, uh, leading from largest decisions to smallest decisions as well. And I think that transition really helped me to understand that, you know, this is how uh, relatively smaller companies work. And, uh, uh, and and then of course, when I joined MIQ, I was obviously still, to be honest, sweating because uh, I, on one hand, it was a very, very interesting challenge to start something from the ground zero. Uh, and I thought that at some point in time in my career, uh, I would love to do it. Uh, and uh, you know, again, I I also say this that I could not gather the courage to start my own company. So I thought <laughs> that you know, <laughs> this let is close me... <laughs> Yeah, this is close enough uh, to you know, uh, kind of get my uh, get my experience in something like this, which is uh, you know, which is basically entrepreneurship instead of entrepreneurship and it's still a bit more safe environment but of course still very challenging because you know you have to establish a brand uh, you have to get your clients you have to localize the product you have to get the team on board and all these things obviously you have to do from scratch so it, definitely i think it was uh, it was quite challenging but i think uh, what what re- what it really helped me was one as i said the transition from a larger company to a smaller company that gave me a lot of ideas on how i uh, how, how I can work in a smaller company environment uh, and then of course um, I think you know uh, there is there is a certain template which you use with all your experience in terms of, okay this is how you attract the talent this is the initial talent mix you would want and then this is how uh, you you want to localize the product and solution uh, for India market and one thing really stood out for me from an MIQ's uh, solutions offering perspective was that uh, MIQ is uh, Doing a lot of programmatic media solutions, but they also have a very strong background in data and data science. And uh, when I was working at Google or Criteo, I realized that uh, I think the market is moving in that direction, right? Where market is saying that okay, I definitely need good uh, media solutions, good digital marketing solutions, but I also need uh, very strong data science-led inputs to understand uh, you know insights about the consumer, about the market, about my brand. And then take those informed decisions and implement those. And I uh, I also saw a, a gap in the market. You know, there are companies who do media well, there are companies who do data analytics well, but there are no companies in the market who do both together well. And that's that's the gap which we are filling in the market. So uh, I think that whole value proposition also helped us to you know kind of talk talk about it in the market and then attract the right talent initially. Uh, and, uh, and of course, meaning we have been also upgrading our product every six months in the India market. So we are defining the cutting edge in the India market and that also helps uh, in a very good way. For example, right now we are focusing a lot on connected TV and how you know, uh, the, big, uh, the big shift in media is happening where offline TV is going digital. And that is possibly the biggest shift which is happening in the Indian mm-hmm. marketing and media market. And we are, we are standing at the cutting edge globally as well as in India as well. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was not easy, I would say, but uh, all these experiences and uh, understanding of the market then helps you to fill the gap in the right way and then also attract the right talent. as well.
0: So that's very interesting because, so, okay, so this brings me to sort of, it sort of um, makes me think you mentioned talent, right? And uh, media solution, you are this in very interesting space. So, so two questions which are sort of interlinked i feel i mean the first is the layoffs in the segments across you know you mentioned all the big tech companies and primarily they are driven through ad money google facebook or meta right? right and so what is so i was trying to wrap my head around you know what is that actually the reason for I mean, totally, I was reading the Wall Street Journal article last week, it said over till now, it has been approximately 125,000 jobs, which has been, you know, um, people have been laid off. So how does it sort of, and does it impact you guys also? So from hiring perspective, and also from business perspective, because the ad revenue is Mm
1: -hmm. going
0: down, right? So how do you see this sort of scenario playing around from hiring and talent side, what's happening that side, plus how does it impacts you? Uh, from the business perspective commercial perspective yeah
1: yeah that's that's a fair and a, another great question uh, ashish so so i think what is happening is that uh, there are you know three four layers to this uh, the first one is that uh, uh, obviously uh, when covid happened uh, people spent more time on their screens uh, etc and so there was a whole big jump in the time spent on digital and digitalization accelerated and all these companies uh, including us got a lot of benefit, right? Because we are working in the area of digital marketing, and this this medium has become very big in Western markets. This medium has become the largest. TV is now the offline TV is now the second medium, and that is also because you know offline TV itself is becoming digital, uh, right? And in uh, big Western markets, this has happened, like US, for example. This has happened already, uh, right? Uh, and it it really accelerated during the COVID time as well. Uh, print is very small now print is all online also I meaning news is all online as well uh, in india i think we are more in more of a transition period right so we are not exactly digital is not exactly the main medium uh, but it is the second largest medium after tv and uh, uh, this is also a big change and you know print print still exists in india but print has become the third largest medium now which is which is obviously also a very very big change uh, as well so when the expansion during the COVID time happened uh, and then what happened was the other thing which is linked to this is that uh, the inflation happened more so again in the big Western markets because of obviously the quantitative easing which we have seen uh, during COVID time as well. And that you know, that obviously uh, also increased inflation in a very strong way and then from there the central banks of these big countries are looking at reducing the inflation rate and hence they have increased the interest rate and there is a slowdown or there is a possibility of recession. UK is also already being said in the recession. US could possibly go into a recession as well next year. So there is a huge amount of slowdown. And these these markets are also risk takers. So, you know, when they see opportunity, they hire. And when they see the market is coming down, they, uh, they also, uh, you know, let people go as well. Uh, and then also linked to that is probably, you know, that social media as such is also going through a bit of a churn this is the second layer right so that is the reason why there is uh, and, and social media is a bit of a medium where you know people spend time um, but the time is getting shorter and shorter and that's where uh, you know people are struggling a bit uh, there right these companies are struggling a bit there because uh, you know yes it, it has a novelty value which is wearing off and people are uh looking at connection for sure and that need will always remain but then uh, there cannot be just one social media channel which which can fulfill all the needs of connection for humans uh, uh right so uh, I, and obviously when COVID subsided now people are also uh, you know able to meet with each other and so on and so forth mm-hmm. uh, and then there are you know even deeper layers which probably i don't think we have a lot of time going into that but then yeah that is another layer which is really kind of uh, so what i would say is there are some macro challenges and there are some company challenges as well mm-hmm. uh, which are uh, affecting this whole scenario now the your i think the last part of your question was how does it affect us correct so uh, i i think you know uh, one was that uh, as a company we have always been very cautious in terms of not to do uh, over hiring always right and Uh, I would also say that, you know, we are in a space where uh, this this programmatic as a space is, is, you know, so after you have got search and Google-related ecosystem, then you have got Facebook and social-related ecosystem, uh, you know, programmatic, and there is another ecosystem, which is the commerce-led ecosystem, which is led by Amazon, for example. So programmatic and commerce-led ecosystem are two big ecosystems which are becoming bigger in the advertising space. So there are... two two things playing out in the programmatic space. One is um, the opportunity itself is big. (coughs) Uh, And there's also the big shift happening of uh, offline TV dollars moving into online TV, which is part of programmatic. And that is why uh, I think we are in a, a bit of a fortunate situation here where things are still moving in the right direction for us and we are riding the technology wave or the change of shift of mediums. Uh, in the right way uh, and so programmatic is going to continue to grow and there's a lot more requirement of people who are either experienced on programmatic or you know they can shift to programmatic and adapt to it well so there is more demand as well so I would say I think you know those are the macro trends as well as uh, you know some of the specific company trends which will help us as well uh, and of course uh, we we continue to look at things uh, in a, in a such a way that you know we are able to help our people all the time. Uh, I will cite one more example before I end. Mm-hmm. So during COVID time, for example, uh, there was definitely in the initial time period a lot of uncertainty. Uh, but uh, you know, MIQ has been a very very people centric company. So there were uh, there were all the actions taken where you know we kind of focused on. Uh, letting people have all the benefits during COVID time in terms of, you know, COVID coverage, medical support, hospitalization support, as well as, uh, you know, having extra leave, uh, you know, which are paid leaves and so on. And of course, uh, we were able to retain all our people as well in the right way. So yeah, meaning the philosophy of MIQ is very, very people centric and we, we want to continue doing that.
0: And I think I was just discussing before the call. Uh, so I think you also have a very flexible work policy, uh, depending yes. upon you can pick uh, work from home or define your uh, sort of frequency you want to visit to the office, et cetera.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it's a it's a hybrid uh, which we've established. We also uh, like to have people coming to office and collaborate, and that's how co- the company has been built. And collaboration is a very very important piece. But at the same time, MIQ definitely recognizes that uh, there is something called future for future of work now, uh, and we are already into it. And so uh, you know we are we want to be flexible, uh, and we want to give a lot of options to people so that there can be hybrid work. Uh, you know, culture we can establish, which uh, which takes care of individual people's need, and still we are able to collaborate in the right way and help the mm-hmm. business also. Because obviously, and and you know, it, it all it all goes in the same way, right? As people do well, business does well, and as business does well, people are able to do as well. So both have to go hand in hand, and that's where our focus is to always maintain the right balance.
0: And I think there are two schools of thought in this. Way. Basically, there are. Uh, Uh, few uh, CEOs which came out and sort of flashed, you know, you have to be back in office now, no work from home. And then there's this other side. So where do you, where do you personally see, you know, uh, what is the right, (laughs) uh, who is on the right side of the things here?
1: Right. Yeah, that's a a great question. So personally, my view is, you know, and this is also my view uh, coming from my experience in working in India markets. I think, you know, See, uh, if you look at uh, the cities in India, right? Commuting is not great in India, mm-hmm. right? So my personal view is that, there, yes, there are. There could be, for example, you know, if you look at hybrid, what does hybrid mean? Hybrid means that, you know, couple of days or three days you are in office and two days you are working from home or wherever you're working from, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, my personal view is that I would want to have this policy in such a way that, you know, uh, instead of three or four days coming to office, maybe it could be one or two days coming to office. I, I probably think two days could be a good thing because you know everyone gets to meet each other. And face-to-face, there is obviously a better bonding happening in the team and a lot of discussions happen. A lot of problems get resolved in a very good way uh, where brainstorming happens. And a lot of uh, solutions come up uh, when you are you know in a meeting face-to-face, brainstorming okay. as well. Uh, so definitely it is needed but is it is it needed for majority of the days in a week no i don't think so and also you know you, uh, even when you are coming to office there can be flexibility so that you can avoid the peak commute time and you can be in uh, office during the time where you are able to uh, you know especially meet your colleagues you know have some bonding time also have some you know Problem-solving time, decision-making time, and so on and so forth. So, uh, so giving people the flexibility to navigate the Indian commuting in the right way, and still having the opportunity to meet with their colleagues mm-hmm. and get get their uh, work done uh, as they would like to do it. And of course, you know there would be still some exceptions, right? Some people might be in remote areas, or there might be some people who have some specific requirements of being at home, and consider considering that as well Uh, at the same time obviously we don't want to no no company would want to you know be perceived as giving extra facility to someone and not giving extra facility to someone and so on and so forth so there are a lot of uh, issue. there are a lot of angles uh, to this whole thing but the whole idea is that uh, as long as uh, we are being transparent uh, to the people and we are saying that, okay, these are the reasons why we are doing these things and people have a say in it. Uh, I think we can all come to a nice, good uh, conclusion on how we would want to have it uh, as the future of work. And, and of course, we, we keep tweaking as the needs arises and, and, and as uh, you know, market dynamics also change.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so just circling back, uh, I just uh, wrote in my notes. So you mentioned the expansion in China. So basically, if I understood correctly, uh, you're uh, trying to set up a base, you know, commercialized product in China. That's what you're looking at, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We have actually we have already done it. So we already have okay. a, um, you know, base in China. We already have a team in China. Uh, we also have a team in India who is supporting the China business as well. Because as 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 we said, we have a center of excellence in Bangalore. So a lot of support goes from India also to other regions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, meaning China is again very interesting, right? So they have their own a uh, lot of solutions, right? So they have right. their own LinkedIn equivalent or YouTube equivalent yes. or, and so on and so forth. They're, their own search engine, etc. as well. Uh, So, uh, what we have is we have uh, two very interesting businesses in China. One is what is called China Inbound. So we have a solution where, uh, you know, if a company wants to uh, do uh, a campaign within China, uh, but this company is outside China, basically, because obviously China is such a big consumer market and they have such a big middle class. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very, very important market for many brands, but they don't know how to access the market. It's a big challenge. So we have resolved that and we are doing a lot of business and we call that as China inbound, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very interestingly, we are also seeing that, you know, now more and more brands are trying to become global. So every brand who wants to kind of, you know, look at uh, targeting major markets, uh, right, of, has almost like a global flavor of their marketing now. And China becomes a very important part, but a, a part where you know they don't understand it well. And that's where our solution really plays a very important role. And secondly, uh, what we have is a China outbound business, uh, which is also pursued by, for example, Google and Facebook uh, and Amazon as well, where Chinese brands are scaling up outside China. And since we are already a worldwide company uh, covering major markets, 30-plus markets, we are able to provide that solution to the Chinese brands who are looking at, you know, say doing a campaign which involves US market, Europe market, India, Southeast Asia market. In one go, we can enable that for them.
0: So is it a very, that so, so is it a very specific, when you enter into a new territory, you mentioned like you're a global brand, right? So do you mm-hmm. have to do sort of tie-ups with the local partner for the ad space or how does it work uh, in terms of, so... Yeah. Uh, like you have to go territory by territory, or the, there are this global collaboration. How does it work?
1: Yes, that's a, that's another great question, actually. So, uh, what we, for example, programmatic side, right? So we work with some of the global players, uh, Ashish. So we work on Google platform, we work on Xander, uh, Trade Desk, uh, etc. And so we enable what is called a multi-platform strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Because every uh, each of these platforms have their own strengths and weaknesses and depending on the client's requirement you can deploy a combination of one or two platforms Uh, and that way and client also want to have a tech and data stack which works for them for their specific requirements and so we have a multi dsp capability which really works very well uh, in all all the markets and that is working uh, in the india market as well and then from there uh, on top of it we have a tech layer and a data lake which really differentiates us in a very strong way uh, where this data lake uh, you know is something where we have 200 plus global data partners uh, a mix of global and local data partners right so just to give you an example suppose you are a luxury car brand and you want to target consumers who are interested in buying a luxury car now there are a lot of people who are interested in luxury car they would want to browse about the car they would want to read about the car they have the aspiration but you, you know obviously they are not the consume uh, many of them Them are not the consumers who will actually have the capacity to buy mm-hmm. the car or they would have the even the intention even if the capacity is there the intention to buy Correct. so what you want as a marketer is to target those consumers who have both the capacity and the intention and then your brand has to come up in mm-hmm. their consideration list. And that's where you know the data lake helps, right? Because then we can combine a lot of online and offline signals, uh, and of course we we are completely GDPR compliant as well. So we are very very privacy safe. But we with multiple data signals, we are able to establish a cohort, which basically tells us that okay, these are the uh, you know demographic and income level signals, which tells us that this is the right demographic, this is the right family. They also have the capacity, etc then we also have the browsing signals and the contextual signals where we see that the potential decision maker in the family is uh, interested in uh, or maybe you know more people in family are interested in there and they are also browsing about the luxury car and then we can also combine it with an offline signal that uh, in the last three months uh, this family or the decision maker in the family has also you know gone into the showrooms of the luxury Uh, car brands as well and if you combine all these things uh, we are able to get a cohort uh, which is you know which is large enough for us to uh, have the right marketing strategy in place but also has all the right signals which tells us that yes this is the right cohort which has the capacity to buy the car and also has the intention to buy the car and probably they are uh, they're also in the market right now and that becomes like a right cohort to target so, so the data science part really, uh, you know, plays a very, very important role, and a lot of brands are looking at that because, you know, if you look at what is happening in the digital marketing right now, uh, many of these, uh, you know, plans are getting completely standardized. You have, you have the Google component in it, you have the social component in it, and that's it. And that is like ninety percent of your plan. And if everybody is doing it, then. It is, it is a broad plan, there is no differentiation, and it is not customized to your brand. And that is what that is where we are coming in and saying that, hey, we'll help you to ask some uh, fundamental questions and get the answers, and then we activate. And what are the fundamental questions? Fundamental questions are, who is my consumer? Where do I find them? Which mediums do I find them? What is the communication which will appeal to them? And then how do I measure the impact of the campaign which I am doing? And with our data science capabilities and data, we. We try to answer all these questions. And that becomes a very customized solution, which we are able to do because we have a flexible tech and data stack.
0: Right. I think you uh, explained very uh, clearly in terms of the differentiation what sort of uh, MIQ brings in. So this brings me to the next point wherein, you know, we have tons of messages which comes across our different social media platform where people usually ask, you know, in in a particular business, you know, what are the opportunities? So for the people uh, who are listening, you know, where do you see more potential sort of startups sprouting up in this ecosystem? Where do you see uh, the opportunities, you know, for other players to come in and have play a meaningful role.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, so um, I think there is, uh, there are three, four areas where, you know, uh, there's a lot of work to be done and there are challenges which need to be resolved. So uh, I would say the 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 first and foremost challenge which is coming in is, uh, and which, you know, has been postponed a couple of times is, um you you have the the cookies going away yes <laughs> right mm. and uh, that is something which at some point in time uh, has to happen even though the deadline has been pushed uh but um, and you know i'm saying it it affects us more because uh, in india uh, we we do not have so much of iphone presence but you know iphone presence will also increase so apple has been obviously a strong player in this area where they are trying to remove all the cookie based targeting from their phones uh, and that has been something which uh, and and even their browser and so on and so forth so they've been very very particular about it but then other players also are uh, they already announced and they're also looking at it uh, basically so how do you uh, you know utilize your data uh, which you have which you got from your consumer uh, as consumer interacted with your brand and then how do you uh, probably enrich it with third-party data make you know, answer these fundamental questions that who is my consumer, where are they, how do I target them and then how do I kind of build that loyalty and also measure the impact of my interventions in marketing. So all these things you have to answer but you have to answer in a cookie-less environment and I, I feel that there is a lot of opportunity where companies can utilize their first-party data and also they can utilize third-party data which is available Which is privacy safe and then make more sense out of the consumer cohort uh, they have Uh, so this is something which is a very big area and we continue we we also continue to actively work in this area and that's where our data lake strategy and our enrichment of first-party data strategy comes into play Uh, and the opportunity here is that you know for example india market can there be more third-party data companies who can uh, you know work with uh uh you know uh, w- work with brands and help them enrich their first party data and help them answer these fundamental questions uh then the second area would be uh, how do you uh, you know how do you make your marketing more integrated all right because yes you know in the offline world uh, anyway by definition you cannot have the integration which you can have on digital but then again on digital also you have all these walled wall gardens, right? So how do you make sense of the data which is lying in different walled gardens and you're getting signals from different different walled gardens? So I think there's a lot of innovation which will come into play. There's a lot of standardization also which will come into play. And I'm talking about probably next ten to fifteen years, not immediately, but that is something which is which is going to happen and of course, you, if you want to build a company, you have to start working on that problem now. Sure. And probably 10 years, 15 years down the line, you will be able to, you know, kind of take advantage of this opportunity and provide the right solutions to the market where <clears throat> when uh, the data signals or the wall gardens are working in a siloed manner, how do you kind of try to create a common picture? And again, we are also working in this area uh, and uh, we, we are also looking at how do we kind of, and that's where the multi-DSP multi, multi DSP and multi-data layer you know capability comes into play. But yeah, meaning there is still not a very straightforward, complete answer to this solution, and it will take some more time. And the standards will have to be built as well, where all the parties also agree. And that is going to take a long time as well. But there is definitely a lot of work to happen in this area. In the meantime, for example, what we are doing in this space is we are focusing a lot on how do we at least help brands to create a common consumer view uh, with our data lake capability uh, and and then from there you're able to make more consistent de- consistent decisions in terms of how do you want to manage a portfolio of wall gardens and open internet related solutions and then how do you manage all of those uh, as well I think the third and very big opportunity which I see uh, immediately in this space is that how do you uh, how do you have like a Automate automatic content recognition related data, uh, which is coming in from the connected TV or the digital TV, right? So, the, the technology has got sufficiently developed. There are a lot of companies in the in the other markets which are doing this work, where uh, you know the, your device, the TV device, is you know kind of taking a snapshot of all the content which is getting consumed, uh, and then at a at a, at the device level. You are able to get that data that okay you know this device this is the kind of content which is getting consumed Mm -hmm. in in terms of gender or in terms of you know interest and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is the advantage of tv going digital right as a guest offline you can't offline you can have some meters but they are not scalable at all but in digital tv or connected tv each and every device you can have that information you can obviously make it completely privacy safe because you don't want to know that okay this device is in uh belongs to this person or belongs to this household no you don't want to have that so no personal information there but still at a overall device and cohort level you have that interesting information and by that you can serve more interesting ad more relevant ad uh you know to those households uh, which 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 they are interested in And that is something which yeah,
0: uh, one thing, sorry to cut, but, but I think one thing yeah. that it will definitely definitely resolve is the TRP issue. Yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, right? So, you know, so uh, that's the advantage of going digital, uh, that it will bring in more transparency and it will, it is good for TV channels, it is also good for consumers as well because they will be served more relevant content in, in the form of advertising as well um yeah and then then of course i think the fourth big opportunity is you know how do you really reimagine the advertising opportunity itself where you know ar vr is obviously developing we have discussed that before Uh, you know the metaverse obviously is going to scale up further and that's going to be an opportunity as well Uh, 5g is coming then you know 6g uh, i'm sure after 5g 6g will come in as well people are already talking about it here and there as well so uh, it, it will all obviously depend on how technology improves from here. But yeah, meaning I think a lot of exciting opportunities in this space to come. I, I still feel we are just getting started.
0: I mean, that's true. And even uh, I I um, uh, recently had a chance to try the we from the latest MetaQuest mm-hmm. Pro 2, V2, mm-hmm. whatever the version is called. And it was mind-blowing. I mean, it was fantastic. Um, I didn't get any headache. It was was absolutely seamless uh, the graphics and everything it felt real let me just put it that right. way it felt real so I think definitely there is some game in that space and it will take time the headset needs to get smaller faster more better graphic but sure and uh, and second point the the thing you mentioned about 5g i mean uh, i just saw in couple of devices across delhi at least they have started rolling out in geo mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that also we need to see how it sort of plays around and how it can be uh, impact this space but yeah i think exciting times overall a um, uh, lot of opportunities for if you know uh, for listeners startups who are looking working actively in this space and uh, um, any sort of uh, concluding remarks, thoughts, uh, Siddharth, um, before we wrap this
1: up? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think we you know it's, we are in very interesting times, exactly as you said, right? And uh, I would say uh, probably concluding remark would be that uh, you know as technology becomes more and more powerful, I think it's very very important that we also keep looking at the direction of you know. Is technology leading to more connection and compassion, or is it leading to more disconnection and more, you know, non-compassion? And I think uh, I I would uh, probably bring in the angle of compassion and kindness, uh, which might seem irrelevant uh, from a technology perspective, but I think mm-hmm. you know it's all, it is all related to any tool or technology can be used other ways, and so I, I think uh, and it might sound a bit you know kind of uh, uh you know i i don't know what to say but for me it it is very very uh i I mean for me it is very very real that you know for example if you look at any media uh, or any technology uh, it can be used both for good and for bad so how do we kind of just keep focusing on uh, and keep track of uh how are we being more compassionate when you know we are doing these things and in some ways i also feel that if we have more focus on compassion and kindness i think it, it will also create a better environment for us to not only use technology in the right way but also uh, you know have uh, technologies which are important for us uh, in terms of for example you know climate change and probably the natural disasters which might follow if if we continue to exploit earth the way we are doing it uh, still and probably that is also an area you know so uh, just want to highlight recently um, miq has teamed up with a company called scope 3 where what we are doing is we are now helping uh, on every campaign to understand how much of the carbon footprint we are consuming because of an advertising campaign basically and that is an information for us that is an also an information for the advertiser and then uh, you know it, it is the first objective is to make us aware that okay because of advertising this is the kind of carbon footprint which you are creating and then yes both miq and the advertiser can use this information to take steps to reduce the carbon footprint or eliminate the carbon footprint and we also have a goal to become a carbon neutral company as soon as possible and we believe that uh, it applies to everyone uh, it, it, it applies to all the companies and you know why why would ad tech be not part of this as well uh, so yeah uh, my last remark would be that we have to focus on compassion kindness and we have to be obviously kind to ourselves kind to people and kind to us as well
0: absolutely no i think those are wonderful points and i mean uh, these things needs to be taken into consider consideration for sure i mean uh, cannot have growth at any cost right i mean there has to be a social cause and things needs to be taken care environment especially But yeah, awesome. Uh, Siddharth, thank you so much uh, for giving in-depth answer and having such clarity of thoughts and making us excited for media solution in, in this space. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ashish.